Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy, as well as my daughter, Evita. And uh, I am stuck here in uh, greater New York City at the Fox Studio as the ladies get to hang out at home uh, at the Mm. kitchen table, actually. So I wish I was there. Well, we're at the kitchen table for you, Sean, um, and it's great to be back. Yesterday, you were with Evita, and you were both on the Laura Ingram show. And I've gotten so many text messages and just responses online about you guys both on what you said and and what even what the topic was on Laura Ingram and just how you guys handled it so beautifully. So the topic was this new study that came out called that says that children of conservative parents are at a much lower risk of mental health problems or issues than children um of liberal parents. And so Laura Ingram, I thought very brilliantly booked both of you on to talk about it. And here's what you both had to say about it. So Evita's premise, Sean, is that mental toughness is what conservative parents focus on while liberal parents or leftist parents, as she calls them, focus on mental health rather than mental toughness. And with that spiritual resiliency, right? Like spiritual formation that gives kids something solid to hold on to. You focus, Sean, on marriage and the fact that strong marriages make strong families and kids that grow up in strong families just have more confidence. That's right. And so I, I, again, to break down that study, um, 55% of adolescents that are raised in a liberal, you know, parent, household mm-hmm. um would say they 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 don't experience mental illness or mentally healthy but 70 77% of kids in a conservative household say they are mentally you know doing well they're not they're not experiencing any signs of um uh mental health uh issues and i think it's it's interesting because uh, again we, we i was we're talking about family um we're talking about you know the relationship between between the parents it does come down to having a bedrock um, of kids trusting that nothing's going to happen with their mom and dad. They feel safe. They feel secure. They hopefully see love between their parents. They see forgiveness and, and re- responsible arguing between their parents. 
but all of that can be healthy because they get a good example of how actually to deal with life, to deal with conflict, um, and still love each other through it. And also, I think what's important to note is that conservative parents also have, as I mentioned this, the, we have, you have rules. Um, you have, you do have guidelines and there's a certain way in which we behave that we believe as conservatives. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. So often right. you see liberals are like, there's a better and a new way, right? There's a, there's a new concept that says a boy could be a girl and a girl could be a boy. Let's go with that. Well, we don't know the consequences, or you could argue at the start, you don't know the consequence of what that'll have on the psyche of a child. Well, yeah. uh, you and we all conservatives know what it'll do, but now the data comes out that you're stressing the hell out of kids. But you I think don't need another data, one, Sean. You don't need, I know data, you don't need data to figure that but, out. I think the bottom line is that conservatives have common sense and, and, oh. and they trust conservatism says, you know, you trust what the past um, has done in a way you, you preserve those traditions, those traditional values, the traditional roles, um, whether they be gender or whatnot. Um, but I, 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 I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Thank Evita, you. Evita, it also says that the gap between, um, like, so conservative parents have a better relationship. Conservative kids have a better relationship with their parents by 14 points more, which is pretty significant. Yeah, I, I, it's, I thought a lot of things were interesting about it. Um, I kind of said as, as a sort of a joke on, on Laura Ingram that, you know, if your parents aren't telling you to cut off your private parts, you know, of course you're going to be more adjusted than the parents that do. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's actually true though. Like when, when you think about all of the sort of gender and sexuality, uh, conversations that leftist parents are having with their kids that are really, con that I think are really confusing when you're a young person, you're already trying to figure out who you are. Uh, you already kind of are, are, are not, are, are not formed in yourself and confident mm -hmm. in yourself yet. And so to have the most basic part about you, right? What, what is my, what is my, you know, sexuality, um, that to, to have that be something in question is a hundred percent going to cause a lot of internal turmoil, uh, as, as a young person. So it makes total sense to me, uh, on that front. But then we also talked about the idea, um, of mental toughness. And I think that, and, and of having discipline and structure around your household. And you might think that you're being the parent that isn't fun or doesn't, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. isn't, isn't, you know, it's, it's not as, it's not as fun, right. To be around the parent that has more structure, but in the end, they end up having better relationships with their parents. I think because their parents ended up protecting them in the long run from things that they weren't ready for at a certain time, or maybe never should have been ready for. Right. Um, and, or, or just, you know, creating a, a, a household that has uh, has has dependability in it. and and hierarchy, Sean, because I yeah. think that's really interesting when you talk about a fourteen percentage point gap, which is pretty significant, as I mentioned before, between the good relation. So this idea, I remember growing up, Sean. I'm sure you had friends whose parents were really, you know, loosey goosey. They were friends. <laughs> with their kids, remember? And I remember my parents always going, I'm not your friend. I'm not your friend. You're my child. I'm in charge. I'm the leader here, not you. Um, you're going to do what I say because you're under my rules. And, and that's got to be comforting for kids. I bet it is. Parents but, but, are in charge. but but again, we're going back to what Sean said, reinventing the wheel. For centuries, parents were in charge. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I don't know when it happened, somewhere in the 60s or 70s, well, uh, by the, the 80s. Lead. 
Well, yeah, it was like, I want to be friends with my kids. I don't want them to, you know, if they're going to smoke pot, I want them to do it at home, you know? And like that, that was, you remember hearing that stuff, Sean? That that yeah. that is the point. I, I was going to bring that up. It's like again, a conservative, and again, we're 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 painting very broad brushes here. Yes, and so, if you're yes. a liberal listening to our podcast, don't get, don't be offended. We're speaking broadly and for conservatives as well to give us these numbers. But you're probably not going to find a conservative parent to sit at home and eat you know pot brownies with their kids, or smoke dope with their kids, or drink yeah. with their kids. Those things are not going to happen. And in a conservative home, it's not going to be like, hey, there's no there's no curfew. You're actually going to have a curfew. And in a conservative home, you might go, you know what? You're not spending the night at your boyfriend's house or he's not spending the night at our house. There's rules and expectations that as as conservative parents, we understand our kids don't always follow. We don't they don't yeah, they don't yeah. always get over the bar, but they know what the expectation is for us. And. I do think they feel safer and happier and more secure when there's a set of expectations um, and rules by which we live in the family. One of the things yeah. too I want to bring up is I think it's so important when we talk about global warming, um, climate change, mm-hmm. and the fear mongering that has happened mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. climate yeah. change for for so many young people. The stress that comes with you know, these commentaries like the world's going to end in 12 years and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, we're going to have, you know, rain bombs, you know, dropping on the earth, as Al Gore would say, scares the hell out of kids. And yeah. it's not going to happen. But the anxiety that comes with that and then a set of parents that also believe that and preach that to their kids does not make for a healthy mind in, 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 in a young person. Yeah, it's true. And, and they're not, and it's a good point. They're not just getting this at school. Then they come home and they have their parents saying, that's right. The world's going to end in 12 years, you know, unless, you know, you confirm it. Yeah. 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 You confirm that unless you do this, unless we do that, unless we, we better not have another little sibling for you because that'll be a little eco-terrorist. Right. Um, so like there, of course there's all of that, but I think also, you know, there's sort of big picture, you know, issues like, the importance of the family to begin with. I mean, you mentioned, Sean, no, your boyfriend can't spend the night here. And no, you're coming home at midnight. You're not allowed to go hang out at your boyfriend's house, you know, till after midnight, whatever those questions are. But in many cases, kids are now facing their moms having a string of boyfriends coming over, right? Um, That's a whole other thing that's happening. And so this general breakdown of the family, which is if, if we really get down to brass tacks and I guess... If we do have liberal li- listeners, I don't care if they get mad if they hear this, because I think it's important to say, which is that progressivism, leftism, the Democrat Party, as we know it to, to be today, because it's not JFK's party anymore, although he was a little bit of a sleaze bag himself. It's um, not Bill Clinton's party either. Is that Bill Clinton's? Well, Bill Clinton. Yeah, it's not that party. Either. Th- that party is is basically Marxist. And the whole premise of Marxism is to replace the power and the autonomy of the family with the state. And so it is very common to hear Marxists when they're speaking very openly and honestly, um, AKA not Barack Obama, who's probably the most stealthy Marxist there is, but others will say it openly and they say, yes, we have to break down the nuclear family. BLM, for example, when they had, when they, when we had the summer of love and everyone went like, what was BLM again? And they went to their website and on their website was all the stuff that they stand for. 
right at the top was the breakdown of the nuclear family. Um, it fe- the feminism started, you know, the, the, well, at least second wave feminism in the 60s. They would get together in little apartments in New York City and they would say basically the equivalent of a prayer or a mantra. And part of that mantra and prayer in these little feminist apartments, I don't know, somewhere in, 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 in New York City, there's lots of historical references to this. Part of that prayer was the breakdown of the nuclear family and they would achieve it through promiscuity and, and other means. But that was, uh, and gender breakdown, which seemed like not like a big deal back then, but now we're seeing the fruits of it. Mm-hmm. So part of the leftist idea is breaking down the family. So the very notion of the family is, um, preserved, I think, through conservative values and torn down by leftist values. And so you may be a nice liberal family and you may, you may love your kids and you may love your husband or your wife, but all the stuff that you're ingesting culturally is on the other end, breaking down what you say you're trying to build. And when we talk about Marxism wanting to break down the family, we have to also talk about how they want to remove people from their faith. And that's another big difference between leftist and conservative families. Conservative families, um, by and large, tend to have religion, predominantly Christianity. And the Marxists, to, to make sure that you are, are subservient and beholden to the state have to remove any notion of a higher power, which is why they hate religion um, and why they actually specifically hate Catholics because we have an amazing history of, of church hierarchy uh, and and theology and, and, but and tradition, which Sean tradition. is the other thing. You know, we're we're coming into Christmas time right now. We're just a few days away now, and it's just so evident to me how important our traditions are. To our children, you're saying you have to have parents that you can count on. But also, as the seasons of the of the and the cycle of the year moves forward, you have these traditions that you count on. And yeah, okay, some people can say uh, every you know once every uh, every Thursday we ha- or every Tuesday we have Taco Tuesday. Okay, like night. Okay, some people have that. That's not really a tradition. That may be a family thing that you do. But I'm talking about traditions that are rooted in deep meaning ancient meaning like the traditions we have around christmas sean and again those things are inculcated through religion and religion is perpetuated and held up and idealized in conservatism and as evita pointed out marxism just as it hates a nuclear family hates religion because it sees those institutions as competition um, to their own ideology. But on that on that point, I think again we're we're called to go to a, a different place. We're called to mm-hmm. hopefully get to a different yes. home. And if you believe that, if you're taught that, um, there's more inspiration to be a better person. And I think mm-hmm. better people, um, more giving people, um, are happier people. I also mm-hmm. want to just go 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 back a second. And if we all remember our 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 adolescence. It's confusing. It's trying. Your body is changing. Your friends are changing. Your life is mm-hmm. changing. It's a stressful time for humanity mm-hmm. to go through this time of life. And it's, that's just not recent. That goes back, you know, hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. Adolescence is challenging. And if you're going to add on to adolescence, one, the phone, which is even a, a bigger pressure and stressor for a lot of folks, a lot of young people. But I think. Even what liberals are doing in the school to sex, we're talking about sexualizing, but sexualizing kids 
in the classroom. And if you're willing to sexualize a child in the classroom, are you sexualizing that child at home? I mean, the books, the smut, the garbage that these kids are, mm-hmm. are, are, are getting access to in a school system that liberals are pushing on our kids whose minds aren't ready for it. That says all you need to know. They're pushing things on children's minds that they can't comprehend, that will stress them out, that will make them depressed. You know, on, on top of that, if you're going to bring your child to a drag show, right? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you're having men dressed up as women, mm-hmm. you know, scantily clad, shaking every part of their body to the crowd. And if you think that's entertainment for your child, something is wrong with, with the way you view how you should raise a child. And the consequence of of those behaviors of parenting will create issues in your child, which will underscore the poll numbers that, again, 45% um, of of liberal kids are, and liberal uh, households are, are, are feeling mental anxiety when only 23% of conservative homes are. Say no more. Go back to the base. I mean, be a liberal yourself if you want. Go vote the way you want. Believe in your global global warming, but leave your kids out of it. Leave your kids yeah. out of the craziness and be conservative as a parent yeah. to your child. So we're not at that place right now, Sean. I think that, um, yeah, I think there are some parents who were maybe non-ideological who I believe have woken up to what is going on. I think COVID has obviously... COVID and, and the drag queen stuff that's gotten out of control, um, the, the gender transitioning stuff that's gotten out of control. There's a lot of things that have woken parents up. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned. Every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. But let's talk about for those who want to be more intentional about good parenting. What are the keys? You and I talked a little bit about this in preparation for this segment that you were doing with um, with Laura Ingram. And, and I want to get into the, some of the stuff that Evita talked about because I think it's so important. It means things as simple as chores. But let's start with the very first thing, which is the most important part of any family is the marital unit. Um, and Sean, you were saying your job is to love me and take care of me and make sure that you and I are strong. I think you do a really good job of prioritizing our marriage and it can be hard because it's really easy to get sucked into everything that's going on with the kids all the time because there's a lot of them and they all have their little needs. But if we're not in sync, everything falls apart. Um, and, and the family falls apart. Would you say that's the most important piece you have to get together, well, I, at least the first part? So listen, if, if you don't have a strong marriage, you're not going to have a strong family. And a strong family won't 
uh, uh, rear strong children because there's a lot of chaos that happens if the mom mm-hmm. and dad aren't doing well. So you have to focus on that. I mean, make sure you have a good marriage. And as we've, we t- we've done a lot of podcasts on marriage and it can be complicated. It can be challenging, but it is the most beautiful institution I think that we have um, mm-hmm. in our society and culture and it's worth it. Um, and then, you know, that strong, that strong, that strong marital couple that, that brings you that strong family. And by, by the way, the, our, the, the strong marriage and the strong family also comes from our, our faith and our religious beliefs that we're not getting remarried. We're, we yeah, said we're vows to each other, good. but we also said vows in front of God as well. Um, yeah. there's three of us in the, in the relationship, um, but th- th- that is critical in, in bringing the kids into that faith. Um, so important. But can I just say, and on that topic, Rachel, because mm-hmm. I enjoy being with you and around you and with you, and I like my kids, it's kind of nice to say, well, how do we spend time together? How do we build relationships together? And once in a while, we'll throw on a movie at night and we're like, why do we do that? We should be, we should have sat around and chatted on this particular night instead of, you know, put a movie on, but we'll yeah, do that, dinners that happened together. The other night. That happened the other night. We, we, we watched the movie and we're like, why did we do dumb. that? Yeah. That was dumb. We sh- that was a dumb movie. We should have all just sit- sat around and talked. So also, well, like, it wasn't, they- come on. It was Scrooge. It was a great movie, but that aside. Well, I didn't love it. Uh, but I will say this being more intentional and being able to say, okay, that worked or that didn't work. And we're going to try something different next time. I mean, that intention around the family and, and around the marriage, I mean, we've had lots of podcasts. We've talked incessantly about the need for parents to go out together and travel together alone without kids. It is absolutely imperative. So that kind of intentionality around the, around the marriage and also that intentionality around child rearing. Um, Evita, you talked about, and listen, she comes home. She's 24. She still hates when I give her chores to do. Um, everyone does. I get it. Um, I was there too. Well, I don't like having chores when I have a job too. Yeah, you have a job, but we're still like, you know, we got a lot of people. I have here. a job, but I also have them the chores jobs. Right. But just, it's you know, we, 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 we have we jobs have and we still too. have chores as well. Like we're all, the other house has to so operate, it. right? So it. <laughs> it's not different. Okay. But the point is that a family fight here on the podcast. I, 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 I don't home. Everybody thinks that I don't work because I work remotely and I do work. You do work. You do work. You know, we get that. I think that you brought up a good point, which is that in the end, being part of especially a big family and then also having responsibility in your case, probably more than most when you're the oldest of any more than you and dad when you were growing up. No, absolutely. That's true. No Mm. question. No question Mm. about it. Um, Sean was the baby. He didn't know how to do anything. Yep. Um, but I'll say this, (laughs) there is something that happens that you, as you said, you learn, you're not the center of the universe and you learn to do chores. And you know, again, sometimes it's just really simple stuff. Chores. Every study has shown children who have chores and responsibilities in the home. Um, first of all, whine less. Prove it. They've done study after study after study. They whine less. Yeah. Um, and they I, and they learn to have more confidence because they're learning to master skills and that gives them confidence. And it could be as small as loading a dishwasher or taking out the trash um, to learning to care for an infant and helping your parents out. It is imperative. It teaches humility. It teaches teamwork. It teaches discipline. Um, and it teaches responsibility. I think those are things that actually make you a person who, who has 
not, not, not mental toughness is what I said on the show. And I think that's what it is. I think when you're preoccupied with your, with yourself and your mental health all the time and constantly thinking about how can, how can everybody around me accommodate, accommodate me and make me feel better. Um, I think that that's not normal for humans. I think that we, but that is a trend if you know, talk about from your generation, like I have, even some of my own kids will come at me with all this mental health stuff that they're, I don't know where they're getting it from, but it's in the water, right? Like Harry and Megan and all their like, you know, mental health, like their signature issues aren't like soup kitchens. It's it's, like mental health and they mean their own mental health. Um, so they're like, like, there's a, their charity is themselves. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a funny, there's a funny TikTok that but I always, we, we always joke about it at home because it's this dad who walks into the room and the daughter says to him, you know, dad, I'm depressed. And he goes, I thought this was something serious. <laughs> Honey, depressed is just liberal for bummed out. Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, but depressed I will say- is just liberal for bummed out. I'm going to steal that. I love it. Okay. But I will say depression is real. Mentally, mental illness is is real. That was a joke. Um, (laughs) But what I, but I will, I will say is that there's a lot of overemphasis on mental health and mental illness for people who are not mentally ill, but just lack discipline in their lives. And so they feel bad about themselves. And then the left's response to people who feel bad about themselves is to say, don't better yourself. Don't, don't lose weight. Don't, don't work harder at your job. Don't try to work on your relationships at home or, mm-hmm. or at work. They say, no, you're doing good. You're, they're not, they're not accepting you for you. That's what they say. Right. And that makes you in a cycle of, of bad habits and bad behavior that is actually really bad for your mental health. Exactly. Everything that they teach you as a solution, right, is is actually just going to further the problem. Whereas conservatives tend to say, you know, the pick yourself up by your bootstraps, do stop complaining and 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 fix it, right? Fix yeah. yourself, and that ultimately is what makes you a happier, healthy human. Uh, and and what I think is is so opposite of what the culture is telling so many young people. Yeah, I mean, the culture says right. if you're overweight, like stop fat shaming her. You know, it's like right. it's like no, you're, you're on. Unha- and actually, weight is a really interesting one too because that has proven proven correlations to your mental well-being uh your physical fitness and left left to say no you're you should you should we should accept you you're a happy and healthy healthy they say that too healthy the way you are even though you're objectively not and it's hurting people and you don't feel good about yourself you don't right. like, like it just, you just you feel better you know when i was in congress and i was like 25 30 pounds heavier i didn't feel mm. as good you lose some weight yeah, and yeah. you lift a few weights or go yeah, for a walk, what, but what would you happen, feel Sean, better. But, but what Let would me, happen if you were 20 pounds overweight, but everywhere in the culture, including your wife and every, everyone else around you was saying, you look great. <laughs> yeah. That's the, if anyone said to you that you looked at, they would go, that person is so bad. They're fat shaming you. They're fat shaming you. You're except body positive, Sean, don't go for it. Don't worry. Could those words be enough? Could the culture change enough to compensate for how you felt about yourself? I would still know that, listen, I still want to eat donuts, you know, and, you know, <laughs> a couple steak dinners and mashed potatoes and drink some wine. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I could do all that and that can be enjoyable, but you still don't feel good. And you can tell me, you know, to the moon and back that I, I, I look great and, you you know, you look wonderful with 30 more pounds on. But the truth is, I know I don't. I know I don't feel as good as I as I do. And you, when, when you slim down a little bit, you you, you just you you feel better. So, um, and you look at you look yourself in the mirror. 
and your eyes are not going to lie to you. You'll look better if you take a few pounds off. No doubt about that. I just, as, as we kind of um, wrap on this topic, I just think that parents should not experiment with their children. Don't mm-hmm. experiment, and again, whether it's with you know the sexuality or you know going to inappropriate sexual performances. Don't let your kids stay out at night. I mean, that experimentation with your children probably is not going to end very well. And you know it's experimentation. So go back to the basics. And I think whether you're a conservative or a liberal, you love your children. You want to raise your children well. They take a lot of time and energy and money. um, And they're wonderful little beings that were, were made to procreate. Do the best job you can in raising them. And that means shun these liberal ideas. You can vote liberal. Vote all you want liberal. But raise your kids in a very traditional way. And in the end, they're going to be happier and they're going to be healthier. And by the way, as parents, Rachel, if you have happy, healthy children, you are going to be happier and healthier because when you have kids that are mentally distraught and freakazoids, you don't, they don't leave your house with all that stress. That stress will come back to you as a parent for the rest of your life, whether it's, you know, when they're in college, whether they're dating, whether they're getting married, whether they have their own kids, you're going to deal with the problems that you created in your bad parenting for a lifetime. So don't do that to yourself. Go back to the basic traditions of raising good kids. Very simple. I was going to say... And I'll give a shameless plug because I have an article coming out um, oh. in the Federalist. By the time this is up, it'll probably be up at the Federalist. It's it's called The Lessons the Obamas Didn't Want You to Take Away from Leave the World Behind, which is a movie, a Netflix movie, Leave the World Behind, about a cyber attack. Dad and I watched it. Mom has not seen it yet. The Obamas were the producers yeah. at Netflix. So you know it's probably got some sort of bad messaging tucked in there. Uh. Everything the Obamas touch are terrible. So, they weren't subversive but, in this movie, I didn't think. Uh, it was it was pretty straightforward what it yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you can you can you can read my article. I have some I have some analysis of that. But what I what is, and aside from potential predictive programming and cyber attacks, um, is that the family in that movie was very dysfunctional. Um, they're one of the first scenes that you see of them is they're all on their phones, uh, in the car or the the dad is not on his phone, but he's fiddling with the radio. Like no one is talking to one another Mm. in, in, so I'm going to say spoilers ahead. So if you're planning on watching this movie, you know, maybe skip a little bit, maybe skip five minutes from now. Um, only one minute, only one minute, only only one minute. Sorry. Only one minute, but, but sorry, but the parents, uh, the parents in, in the movie at one point, flirt with the idea of cheating on one another. Um, the, the brother is really just unnecessarily cruel to his little sister because they're going through a disaster. She says, you know, I, I'd really like to know what happens at the end of Friends, the, the Friends TV show, because it would make me feel you know, so much better, um, make me feel sort of comfort in this time where I feel really helpless, uh, and scared. And he's just like, you'll never see the end for no reason, just cause he's, he's mean. Um, and I just thought at the end, that family would never survive an apocalyptic scenario like the one that oh, that's they're so in interesting. because they, they're, 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 they're not a, they're not a cohesive unit. They don't even they're love each other. Tribe. And they weren't even really living before the apocalypse even happened. It was like, it was such a sad, and I, and I actually looked at it and I thought, I, I bet there's a lot of families 
that are like this. And so in my article, I talk about how, you know, there are things that we don't have control over in our lives. I, it might be a cyber attack. It might be a lot of other things. COVID, it could be a lot of things that are being thrown in that these throw at, That they throw at you There could be a, a currency collapse. A there climate could be, emergency. There's mm -hmm. that too. Another mm -hmm. lockdown for the climate. But yeah. what you do have control over is your family. That's what and, Dad always says. And you you are able to say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna set aside time together. We're gonna we're gonna uh, recognize what each of us bring to the family unit, what value we bring. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna treat each other well because if there is a disaster, our cohesiveness in unity as a family not only is good for your mental health, but it might even save you save your life. <laughs> Such a great point, Sean. We talk so much about the unknown that we all get this sense that something very unstable is going to happen in the next year and a half. I mean, mm -hmm. listen, as I'm, as, as we're on, on this podcast, um, I'm seeing, you know, we have Fox news is on, on the return feed on the return feed here. And, you know, we're seeing, I just saw a, a, a Chiron from, from, uh, Jonathan Turley. And it said, what happened in Colorado is very, very dangerous for the country. Mm -hmm. At the same time I saw there's the collapse of the border. That's dangerous for our country. Then I see inflation and what's happening in the economy and the energy markets. That's very dangerous. So many unknowns. And we have talked about them, Sean. We've talked about the farms, people wanting to return and having more security um, with their food sources and, and, and how do they, you know, get generators and there's all this prepping, but the ultimate prep is, is your family ready to be tested? And if that alone is not what it takes to, you know, get your family business in order, I don't know what it is. Oh, and I, I have to add something else about this movie that the, the dad in the movie was completely incapable. He could, he could. He's he, like a beta dad. Yeah, he didn't have, he, so he left his wife and children with strangers while they were in danger. He didn't have a gun. He didn't know how to use a gun, even if he had one. He was co a completely inept man. I mean, I'm sure he was the model, the model, you know, male feminist. But when it comes to an emergency, useless completely useless. So cultivating the, the, the talents that we have as, as male and female, uh, is going to be really important in, in a disaster as well. And leftists are trying to flip those roles on their heads. And when, when push comes to shove and you're in a, you're in a, a tough spot, you want a guy, you don't want a beta male. Yeah. You do not want so, beta males. That's so true. Honey. <laughs> I look at what you just mentioned about, you know, the, the scene in the movie, um, where the whole family is on their phones. Um, mm -hmm. And you got the idea in the movie that that is their life. They're all distracted on their phones, you know, thinking about other things as opposed to this cohesive, you know, unit. And I just, I want to be clear. There's times that in our family, I, we're working, our work is on our phone oftentimes. Sometimes the kids think it on their phones, the ones that have them. And, but what happens in those moments is we'll stop, Rachel. We'll be like, hold on, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're yeah. not, no, 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 we're, yeah. we're all, everyone's on their phone, put them down. We're all going to, we're all going to engage. So we'll, you can, every family can slide into that because yes. our lives, our work is on our phone and we're doing all yes. this stuff, but there has to be a moment to go, stop, hold on. We're doing, we're, this is what we don't want to be. This is not what we want to do. And so even though it can happen, we break out of that. Even again, this was mm -hmm. last night. We, we, we watched Scrooged. Scrooged, right, uh, with Bill, Bill Murray back in the 80 movies. Uh, Christmas love movie. it, but our whole family was home, and that's the choice that we made. And when you, you and I went to, no, actually this morning, when we woke up, we talked about it, we said, that was dumb. We shouldn't do yeah. that. We're all together for only a limited amount of time. 
we should be hanging out and talking. And so, yes. and, and again, the decision was a bad one last night, but the thought process today of how we remedy it, how, in, and how we make better choices means we think about it and we care about yes. it and maximizing that time. And I think that's what good parenting is, is not being perfect, but striving for perfection and recognizing mistakes that we make and trying to redirect and, and do better and be better in these little moments that, that come up. And I think when you do that, mm. to Avita's mm. point, you end up building a more cohesive, loving, caring family that to your point, Rachel, becomes a tribe that will, that will fight mm. for each other um, and work with each other when times get very difficult. We'll have more of this conversation after this. You mentioned, yeah. Rachel, I want to talk about this, this Colorado situation. Um, where you know yes. Donald Trump is on the ballot um, in or was yeah well, he's he's got the signatures to be on the ballot in Colorado, the Supreme Court in Colorado, which is uh, which is appointed, it's not elected, um, in a four to three decision decided that because Donald Trump is an insurrectionist, the Fourteenth Amendment prohibits him from being on the ballot in Colorado. Now there's <laughs> a couple things wrong with that. Number one, um, Donald Trump was not charged with insurrection. Insurrection is a crime. The Department of Justice has thrown the kitchen sink at Donald Trump. Everything they can charge Donald Trump with, they have. But the one thing they didn't charge him with was insurrection. So there's not even an insurrection charge. But beyond that, there's an indictment, which means there's charges, there's allegations against Donald Trump for a whole bunch of things. But Donald Trump has not been convicted of anything. And so that the Colorado court would say that the Constitution prohibits Donald Trump from being on the ballot in Colorado for a crime he hasn't been convicted of and a crime that doesn't match the Constitution, which is insurrection. This was, by the way, this goes back to uh, the Civil War era and insurrectionists, you know, in, in the time of the Civil War is what this was actually in reference to, you know, not to the lead Republican candidate who they're trying to take off the ballot in 2024. And so here's what's interesting. I had... I had the chairman of the of uh, of uh, of the Republican Party in Colorado on the bottom line last night, and if you haven't seen it, you should. It's at six p.m. Monday through Friday on Fox Business. Always my uh, shameless plug with uh, plug with. If you're watching Brett Bear. If you're watching Brett Bear, you're not watching Sean Duffy. So switch and that. You jam. should come on over. Um, <laughs> but what he said was, he said, "Listen, here's what we're going to do." If, but so this, but it's just another step back. This is, this has been appealed, uh, to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, I imagine, is going to hear this case because a lot of other states are trying to kick Donald Trump off their ballots as well, Democrat states. Um, but what the chair of the Republican Party in Colorado said was, listen, we, we have a prime, we have a primary, but we could also do a caucus. And the caucus is run by the party, not by the state. And we can just, we could divvy this and we can go to a caucus structure. And I guess they do some lower elections. They, they, they actually do some caucusing in Colorado. So they know how to do it. The RNC could also provide them support to help them run their caucus in their state and get completely around, uh, this liberal Supreme Court that's unelected and have a caucus pick their candidate. It could be Donald Trump. It could be Ron DeSantis. It could be any of them. And then they can send that to the RNC and the delegates to the RNC for whoever won Colorado. But what's happening here is not about the Constitution. It's not about insurrection. It is about Democrats have made a decision that they get a pick who is qualified to be a Republican candidate for president. But the people, the Republicans, are not inept enough to actually mm. choose who their candidate can be. And this belongs in the hands of the elite Democrats to choose for Republicans. 
Yeah, I think it's really scary. The other thing that I, I saw just before we started doing the podcast was that Rudy Giuliani is declaring bankruptcy because he was sued by these election workers who claim that, you know, he defamed them by suggesting that they um, might have been, um, you know, not on the up and up in terms of they, they were poll workers or election workers. You know, the message that they're, first of all, I'm so sick of the besmirching of America's mayor. Rudy Giuliani is an American patriot. He is a hero. And he's been a loyal friend to Donald Trump. And I think the message um, that they are sending, and I think it's effective, just like the January 6th message was don't protest. And we've seen no protests, um, you know, since since January 6th. You have not seen conservatives organized to protest because they're afraid of their government. They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of their family and friends canceling them and, and calling them insurrectionists. And they don't want to get caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time, like some of those innocent protesters were on January 6th. And that is why you have not seen any protests for Donald Trump. Likewise, you will see lawyers not defend conservatives who are controversial like Donald Trump um, or who are a threat to the system like Donald Trump. Um, the message is clear. We will take you out. We will destroy your life. We will destroy your finances. You will de be declared bankrupt. Um, this system is now rigged in a way that I can't, uh, I just can't believe it's America. This is the kind of stuff that our State Department used to send notices and and stern warnings um and and repercussions to foreign blank hole countries as donald trump used to call them which is our country is becoming closer to that these days with these actions we would absolutely reprimand countries and give them financial consequences for these kinds of 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 injustices against the opposition party in their in their countries that if, if they would take out their opposition if they would you know, um, subject them to lawfare in the way that we're subjecting Donald Trump and any of his allies. Um, if we would sick the, if they would sick their secret police, um, or DOJ or FBI onto their opposition, this is all happening here in this country. And that is why you see somebody who is as even keeled, um, as Jonathan Turley on Fox News. Um, he's, you know, not a partisan, you know, person. He is a very even-keeled, well-respected um, lawyer. And he's saying, this is dangerous. I feel like they're trying to provoke conservatives. I feel like this is a new territory. And God forbid, if, the, if, if it is not a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court against what Colorado is attempting to do in taking Donald Trump off the ballot, um, I, I'm really fearful for what can happen. Which then brings us back to the original point of this conversation, Sean, which is we're in a preparation time because there's so much unknown out there. Well, but Evita, and, what do you and, think? And there's so the, much that you go ahead. But I want to get Evita to say because there's something. There's another point on this as well, Rachel. Evita, what, sure. what is your take on what's happening in Colorado and maybe even how conservatives should deal with it? It's really hard for me. Frankly, I feel at a loss, and I think that's what most people feel like because. I think it's I think it's fair to say that they are trying to provoke conservatives, and I think that we know what will happen if anybody that not 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 tries to storm the Capitol, but even hosts a demonstration. We know it's going to be uh, swarming with federal agents. We know that everybody who's involved that's not a federal agent is going to have their lives destroyed, and so to encourage people to fight back against this in the way that we're supposedly allowed to in the first, you know, in our constitution. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like I would be leading people, uh, to 
have their lives destroyed. So yeah, I, 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 it's we're in a really tough spot. Yeah, and I think I just, Americans I, are afraid of their the, government. The, I want there's a, there's a, there, this exposes one of the great lies of the Democrat Party. And for the last several years, we've heard about it's the death of democracy. And Republicans want to take away voting rights in in Georgia. We have to move the Major League Baseball, you know, all-star game out of Atlanta because it's Jim Crow 2.0 and democracy, democracy, democracy. What is democracy but to give people the right to vote for candidates that they think are the best <laughs> candidates to lead, whether in mm-hmm. a mayor's race, yep. a congressional race, a Senate race, or a presidential race? And you have a party that talks about democracy Mm -hmm. all the time. Democracy is a, is a, is a a word used as a tool to accomplish a certain end goal, which is complete control because what they've done in Colorado. And that if you, if you watch the news, you'll see, you'll see Democrats in the house and in the Senate and governor's races and others, other Democrats in other States inspired by what's happened in Colorado, because they do not want Donald Trump on the ballot. And if you don't want Donald Trump on the ballot, um, that's your fault. And you do not support democracy because democracy is not you taking Donald Trump off the ballot, but letting people in that jurisdiction vote for a candidate that works for them. Mm. And if you want to take that candidate off, you're an authoritarian. You are a fascist. You are not a, a Democrat. You don't believe in Democrat principles and Democrat values. And I am so sick of them talking about democracy mm. and Republicans want to destroy democracy, democracy. I'm like, shut and up. Norms and norms. You, you guys, guys are, are destroying. destroying the norms. I'm like, I'm so Even sick of hearing it. It too, goes Sean. back to voting. I'm like, you're going to mail everyone a ballot and no one has to show an ID. No one even has to write down their driver's license or ID number on the ballot when they send it in. You just, we send ballots out and whoever sends them back, so be it. We don't know, you know, whether the person who fills out the ballot is the person who is a, a, a lawful voter. You have uh, uh, bins uh, stationed around cities where people can just drop off ballots at will. They can be stuffed. Um, you have Democrats chasing, you know, ballots, trying to pick them up, helping helping in air quotes, people fill out their ballots. All of this is an affront to democracy and secure elections. Um, and I, I, I do this, this we're, we're going into an unknown territory. It's one That's thing right. to prosecute a former president to try to take away his money in a civil lawsuit. That's total bogus, like in New York, but they've gone to a new realm of saying, now we're going to keep him off the ballot. So you don't have the option of voting for him. If you don't like Donald Trump, don't take him off the ballot. Get in the ring and make the argument against him. Why are your policies, why are your candidates better than Donald Trump and Donald Trump's policies? But if you can't win in the, uh, in the arena of ideas, I'm sorry, you don't deserve to win elections. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and so here we are. I think the next year and a half are going to be the most interesting, volatile, unknown period of time, I think, in our lifetime, Sean. Um, and no better time than right now during the Christmas season before the new year, as everybody starts making resolutions, no better time to recommit to your family, recommit to all the good habits and, and, and things that we've talked about that make your family stronger, recommitting to your, your family, to making sure that 
should anything happen, you guys are, as Evita said, um, a tribe. You're able to work together. You're able to survive together because we don't know what's ahead for us. Um, and, and, and that starts, of course, most important with your faith, recommitting to that, that foundation, um, recommitting to your bonds to one another, to your traditions. I mean, if you're ever going to double down on religion, now's the time it's under attack. Um, and it is, it is what's going to get you through these tough times. Recommit to all of the things that we, you know, to, to, to freedom of speech, to telling the truth, to the second amendment, making sure that you're armed, uh, making sure that you are, are, um, prepared in every way that you can for the, the unknown. most reliable people in your life. If bad things happen is your family. It's nice to have That's friends, right? It's nice to have friends yeah. and neighbors that all can bond together. But the most reliable people you'll have are the people that are in your family. And one of the easiest things as, we, as, as we we're in this Christmas season is, um, and some people are like, I, my family is a little dysfunctional. We're a little crazy or we haven't been doing this. So it might be a little complicated. I might get a lot of pushback if we try to put our phones down and have a meal together. And it's very simple. Sit around, sit around and talk. Try to be... Be interested in the lives of the people that you share a roof with, um, their friends, their hobbies, their loves, their their passions. Those kind of conversations, again, those are basic building blocks, but it builds out these stronger relationships and bonds that that build into strong families. So, um, I, listen, I think this is this is such a fascinating uh, mm -hmm. topic. Again, conservatives versus liberals. Um, conser the conservative the conservative way is a healthier way that's going to lead to healthier, better, well-adjusted kids like Evita is right there. Um, kind of, but also well-adjusted, usually well-adjusted. <laughs> the kidding. importance of the family, the importance of the family. The I know it's a joke. Honey. Um, the importance of the family and, and, and especially when, when there's a lot of unknowns and we certainly are entering into the unknown, um, in terms of what we understand as, as normal in American life. It's not normal. Everything that's happening around you since COVID, uh, probably before you even noticed, none of it is normal. Um, so anyway, well, great talking to all of you. Um, great conversation. Thank you for joining us, Evita. I've got kids upstairs who want to start making cookies, so I got to go. So be it. So listen, if you like our podcast, you can always rate, review, subscribe. You can do that now as Rachel's about to go make cookies with the kids upstairs. How fun. I'm not going to be there for that. Uh, they'll, be but subscribe. They'll, be, they'll be done when you get home That's from work. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yes. If you like our podcast, again, you can rate, review, subscribe. You, know, you can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. Please subscribe. You get a notice every time we drop, which is Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And uh, listen, we hope that as you plan with your family, your Christmas celebration or holiday celebration, um, you redouble down on your family and, and your time with the most important unit and people in your life. Um, we're doing that at the Duffy household. Uh, we want to wish you, we're going to do one more podcast tomorrow. It's going to be Q and A, uh, but we want to wish you, if you don't uh, tune in on, on Friday night uh, to that podcast, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas uh, and a blessed new year. Um, as we look to some hard times ahead of us, but also um, everything is new every day, every year, and we can always make it better. So until next time. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.